Good day. I hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful week. We're going to continue on in our study in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And we're going to be covering verses 18 through 25 today. And with God's will, we'll be finishing off John, chapter 2. The title of today's lesson is Jesus Attends the Passover Festival. Going back to last week, in last week's lesson, Jesus, or we saw where Jesus attends the temple. The religious leaders, instead of making it a house of God, a house of worship, they turned the temple into a house of business, a house of commerce, if you remember, right? And, and understand that it's Passover. And because it's Passover, they had money tables that was set up throughout the court of the Gentiles. And, and, and the Bible we learned last week, the Bible told us that they were selling cattle, sheep, doves, right? All sorts of sacrificial animals, right? And when Jesus sees this, the Bible tells us that Jesus becomes very angry and he cleanses the temple. He flips over the money tables, right? Instead of honoring his father and, and submitting to him, and getting close to him, they were worried more about making money. And remember, people buying the animals to sacrifice, right? They had to convert their money into the temple money, right? And by doing this, what the religious leaders did, they took advantage of these people. And you can say basically what they were doing, they, they were ripping people off, right? Because, I mean, there was no way in the exchange of money, they were making money from that. So, so we see, we ended last week's lesson with verse 18 that we're going to start with today. And if you remember what verse 18 stated, it stated that the Jews, when Jesus did all this and Jesus responded the way he did and he cleansed the temple, the Jews, speaking about the religious leaders, they asked Jesus a question and they, they asked him, they tell him, what sign can you show us to prove? That you have authority to do all of this. That's where we're going to pick up in today's lesson. So we're going to be starting in verse 18 and finishing off through verse 25. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John in chapter 2. And we'll be starting in verse 18. And verse 18 states this. The Jews then responded to him, him meaning Jesus. What sign can you show us? to prove your authority to do all of this. And Jesus answered them in verse 19. Destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. and You are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Believe the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and they believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each. So let's go back up to verse 
18. And verse 18 states this. The Jews then responded to him. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? Now, again, speaking about Jesus here, because Jesus had just cleansed the temple, if you remember. And they asked Jesus this question, by what authority do you have to do all of this, right? Now, the word here, Jews, if you go back to look at verse 18, at the beginning it says, the Jews then responded to him. Now, when we're speaking about the Jews, we're not speaking about the general population right here, per se. We're speaking about the religious leaders. So it's, it's, it's dialed in on the religious leaders. So when it says the Jews, it's speaking about those in authority of the nation of Israel, the, the religious leaders. They ask them, what sign can you prove to us that you have this authority to do all of this, right? So you see that they want a sign. They want proof. But you see, Jesus himself is the proof, right? And, and <clears throat> what John's going to do here, he's going to demonstrate from a reader standpoint, meaning us. From this point on in the book of John, who Jesus really is, because you're going to see miracle after miracle. Now, you see Judaism of that day in the time of Jesus, but still even today. They are offended because they don't want to make the changes that are so offensive to their goals. They don't want to make the changes that are so offensive to their own purposes, right? Remember how, how we always said that in Judaism, the religious leaders and the Jewish people, they read what is called the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of our Bible, right? But they also study and they read what is called the Tammuz, right? It is a book written by the religious leaders, right? But it's man-made laws that convert back to the law of Moses, that convert back to the Torah. So, and this is really what they study. They put more emphasis on the Tammuz today than they do the Torah itself, right? So this was part of their religion. In other words, they believe this is what you have to do. You have to believe or say these things in order to get to God, right? But I want you to see, and, and, and this gets to the heart of what this book is all about, right? You see, what I want you to see is that the new covenant, about religion, right? Why? Because religion is the manifestation of the thoughts of man, right? You see the new the New Testament and the Bible, the whole Bible itself speaks on the truth. It speaks about the truth, and we know that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life, right? And in John 14:6 that we're going to learn, it tells us that no one goes to the Father except through who? Jesus himself. Amen. And, and, and we also know that the truth is the revelation of scripture. It is what God has given us in order to bring about his change, his purposes, right? His will into our life so that we can become kingdom people. Amen. Verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again days. Now, Jesus here is speaking of his body, right? He's speaking about his resurrection that's fixing to take place. But you see, they didn't understand this. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Because look what they say in verse 20. They replied, 
It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you, they say, you're going to raise it in three days? So they respond because, you see, they're thinking naturally. But you see, most of us, we do the same thing. We don't have a kingdom mind. We don't think in supernatural terms. We think naturally, right? See, we have certain situations in our life that seem impossible maybe to fix, that maybe seem impossible to overcome, right? Maybe it's impossible for something to happen that you're waiting to happen, but, but you don't see how it's going to happen, right? But we need to understand that when we have Jesus in our life, right, when we commit to him, when we obey him, when we are in an intimate relationship with him, when we truly repent, when we pray, when we spend time with the Father, we're going to submit to his plans. We're going to submit to his will, right? Then all things are possible, the Bible says, for those who believe. See, are you believing in the impossible? Are you believing in the kingdom? Do, are you kingdom-minded is what I need to ask you today, right? Or, or, you think, or, or are you just thinking like, you, like most of us do? You, you think naturally right? You see, when we believe in the natural, you can say, then, then we really don't have the true faith and the true commitment that Jesus wants us to have. Now, don't shoot the messenger here. I mean, that's what, that's what the scripture tells us. That's what Jesus says, right? That we need to have childlike faith in order to reach the kingdom of heaven, right? See, a child doesn't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. A child doesn't worry about what's going on in life, right? The child just goes on and he lives a joyous life. He lives a peaceful life. He lives an innocent life. And the question is this, are, are we doing that? Are we thinking, do we have a kingdom mind? Are we thinking childlike? Do we have that childlike faith, right? Now, going back to the scripture, <clears throat> they respond because they are thinking naturally. It took 46 years to build this temple, right? But you you say in three days that, that, that you can raise it. So the, the proof that Jesus is going to give them is the resurrection because that's what Jesus is talking about here, right? He's talking about his body. He's talking about how the Father is going to resurrect him, right? So this is speaking of his resurrection. And remember, this is all taking place during Passover. Over week, right? The week of unleavened bread, the festival of unleavened bread. Passover, we we can say, is also related to redemption. And you may ask for what? For the kingdom. Now remember, redemption speaks of two aspects of God's redemptive work. The first is the sacrificial lamb, right? And we know that Jesus is going to be that sacrificial lamb. And the second is the kingdom of God, right? That kingdom power is seen in the resurrection, which is the victory over sin. Amen. So when Jesus says that we are thinking of the temple, right? That's what they're saying. They're thinking naturally is the temple. But Jesus is saying the temple is my body. The temple is my life. And the Father is going to be raising me on the third day after I get crucified. But they're not thinking this way. They're thinking in the physical. They're thinking in the natural. But we know that Jesus is supernatural. Amen. Verse 21. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So right here, this just verifies what we just stated. 
This is speaking about the resurrection. Verse 22. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So what I want you to see here is this. Passover was the festival of redemption. And Passover speaks about the payment of redemption, and it speaks about the kingdom to be established in this world. And it is only after the fact that the disciples, right here, that they come to believe the scriptures and in the word that Jesus had spoke to them. See, after the resurrection, they remember what Jesus had said. And that's what made them believe. Now, we're going to see also later on in the book of John and in the book of Acts, right? There's more to this than this actually scripture itself. But you can say that because of what Jesus said and because of what happened, they believed. Now, if you play, pay close attention to what verse 22, you'll find that there is a connection with two things according to verse 22. And the first is the word the verse and the verse states this listen what it says then they believed the scripture the words that jesus had spoken so what the scripture is trying to do here is to reveal to us a very important principle and that principle is this that it is scripture that refers and reveals the will and the purposes of god to us amen Verse 23. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and they believed in his name. Now, let's focus in on that phrase here, right? It says, it says many people at the festival, they saw what Jesus did. They saw his signs and they believed in his name. Let's focus in on believed in his name. Why is this so important? Because name character it relates to identity so it tells us that they saw through passover jesus his identity his character what he stood for his name his integrity right this foreshadows what jesus will do at the end of his three years of ministry you see what we're going to find out is this the book of john focuses on the festivals that take place in Israel, right? You see, in order to understand what John is revealing through his gospel, then you need to have proper understanding of the festivals of Israel. And what we will learn in the gospel of John is this. The second half of this book in the gospel of John is almost entirely dedicated to the Passover. Now, you might say, what Passover? Jesus is Passover, right? When Jesus came into Jerusalem, right? In that triumphant way, you can say, right? When, when people were worshiping him, right? When, when he was betrayed, you can say. When, when he was given over to the high priest, he was given over to the elders, to the religious leaders. They sentenced him to death. When he was turned over to the Romans under Pontius Pilate. You can say when he was crucified and when he was buried, right? When all of this happened, it happened during the week of Passover. 
It happened during Passover, you can say, right? So what he did, you can say, right, within this festival, the festival of unleavened bread, the first Sunday after unleavened bread, what happened to Jesus? He was resurrected from the dead. Now notice, he was risen from the dead, and I want to make a point here. The scripture says that Jesus laid down his life, that no one took it. Although he had the power to take it up again himself, he didn't utilize that power. The scripture tells us that he was raised from the dead. And you might say, by who? By God the Father, right? You see, all of these things happen, right? The death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel, preaching the good news about the kingdom. It all comes to us in the framework of Passover. Therefore, it shouldn't be surprising to us when we read in this scripture, right? The scripture tells us that it was through Passover that we can understand his identity, that we can understand his work. And because of all Jesus did, especially on Passover, going to the cross, being raised by the Father, his identity was revealed and the people believed, right? That's what this scripture is talking about here, amen? Verse 24, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them. The scripture tells us here, for he knew. These last couple of verses is going to be very, very intriguing and very interesting as we cover them, right? Verses 24 and 25 here, right? It says that they believed in him, but look what it says, that Jesus did not commit himself to them. Now, what does this mean, you might say? He understood that the people who believed in him during Passover, they were believing in him for only one reason, and that is the kingdom. They wanted a kingdom, but an earthly kingdom. They didn't want that biblical kingdom that we strive for every day, that, that we hope to get to. It's easy. Jesus tells us how to get to that kingdom. But they were thinking earthly. They wanted this earthly kingdom. And we will see in this gospel that at one time the people wanted to make him king. We're going to see that in the book of John coming up. But you see, Jesus didn't want to have nothing to do with this. Why? Because the people were not ready for the kingdom. right? And this is very important theological section in the gospel of John that we're speaking of. So the scripture tells us that they knew him, but he didn't trust himself to them. Why? Because he knew their thoughts. They really didn't understand why Jesus was sent. They really didn't understand what Jesus' mission was. You see, they wanted a Messiah. They wanted a king. But they wanted a king that would defeat the Roman government. You see, they wanted victory, but not over sin. They wanted it over the Roman Empire. But you see, we're a lot like these religious leaders. We're a lot like these people, right? You see, a, a lot of us say, oh, I love Jesus, right? I want to follow him. I, I, I really want to, I want to please him. Why do we say that? Why do people say that? Because we want what we want. And we think the only way to get that by the means is through Jesus, right? In other words, these people wanted what they wanted. And when you think like this, it's unbiblical. You see, he will not be committed to them. Such a theological fantasy. 
right? And and that's how some of us think. Oh, I want to get closer to God and I'm going to commit to God. And, you know, it's it's all talk. Why? Because we want what the things we want in life. And we need to understand this, that this is not biblical because Jesus didn't come to satisfy our earthly flesh. Amen. He came so we can serve and we can satisfy him. We came, he came so we can do his will, so we can do his plans to give his father all the glory through him. So the scripture is saying here that people believed in him didn't understand who he was, really didn't understand the meaning of why he came. And remember, we talked about this in Judaism. They believe in two messiahs, right? And they were ready for that Mashiach, Ben David, that Messiah, Ben David. They wanted him to defeat the armies of, of, of the Roman government, right? To bring in prosperity, you can say, right? But I'm going to tell you what they weren't ready for. They weren't ready for that suffering servant who's going to lay down his life, right? And it's for this reason that Jesus says he isn't committed to them because he knows them. He knows their thoughts. He knows what they wanted, right? And that's not the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came, right, as that sacrificial lamb, gone to the cross, Take on the sins of the world, to take on your sins, to take on my sins, right? Or he bore the sins of the world so everyone can have an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Verse 25. He did not need any testimony about mankind. For he knew it was in each person. So Jesus knew. Even though they were ready to accept them, they really weren't. Why? Because they didn't have a sensitivity, you can say, concerning sin. He knew their spiritual condition, right? Just like he knows your spiritual spiritual condition. What is your spiritual condition today, right? That's that's what he's asking you. See, they said, "We believe in you, Jesus." Believing for the wrong reasons. They were believing because they wanted something. Let me ask you this question right here. Is your commitment to Jesus, is your commitment to Yeshua rooted and based in the purposes and the plans of God? In other words, what drew you to him or what draws you to him, right? Was it because your bondage of sin? Because we're all sinful. We're all sin. Out on God's will? Are you willing to do His plans, His purposes, the objectives that He has for your life? Or are you a follower of His because you want something? Or do you believe this? You say, I might believe in Jesus because I go to church. I believe in Jesus and I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm going to be in the kingdom of God because I go to church and I sing a few songs. Maybe I worship Him on Sundays, right? things for the church and you do good works for the church you see you think that you're going to ensure that god is on your side and he's going to move in such a way that's going to bring victory to you right well if you think like that then you're wrong and that's how many people today think 
Biblically speaking, whenever we're talking about Jesus, one of the ways that the prophets reveal Messiah to us is that he is the Holy One of Israel. Why, you say? Because the main purpose is Passover. The main purpose is redemption. And remember what we talked about. One of the things that comes to our mind when we think about Passover is cleansing. Getting rid of those things that are attached to pride. you have an intimate relationship with him then most people have that pride most people want what they want most people believe what they believe they don't submit to the word of god they don't submit to the truth of god they don't base their life or live their life based on truth based on scripture in other words guess what's happened is this instead of your will you need to do the father's will Our desires, right? All of that, what we want, needs to be crucified. It needs to be crucified on the cross. See, the cross is the way to the Father. The cross is the way to the kingdom. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's all about the cross. We need to understand there's a relationship between the purpose and the plans of God being realized. I'm saying is this, unless I submit to God's plans, unless I submit to his will, unless I submit to his purpose, then I won't be growing in sanctification. You can say that, right? In other words, I'm not going to be walking in holiness. And if I'm determined to get my will, what's going to happen? The scripture tells us here that God will become distant distance, I'm going to be grieving the Holy Spirit. If I do my own will, I do my own thing. I'm not living in holiness. I'm not living in sanctification. And because of that, I won't see a manifestation of God's glory. Amen? Why do I talk about God's glory, you might ask? Because there's a connection that we see between glory and holiness. You see, holiness is rooted in the purposes of God. And when these purposes are being fulfilled, where there is holiness, the visual outcome to this is the manifestation of God's glory. So at this time right here, the people, they were willing to accept them as the Messiah. If the purpose was to fulfill what they wanted. In other words, they wanted this earthly kingdom. but They, they didn't want to have nothing to do with this biblical kingdom. All too often, we have the wrong understanding about the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If I ask you this question, what will be the constitution of the millennial kingdom? Now, when I say the millennial kingdom, what am I talking about here, right? You see, after the second coming, Jesus is going to set up that millennial reign on earth for a thousand-year reign. And he's going to lock up the Antichrist. He's going to lock up the false prophet, Satan, his demons, right? And there's going to be a thousand-year reign on earth where Jesus, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, rules with an iron fist. So what will be the constitution of the millennial kingdom? And that answer is the law of Moses. We will see, just like the prophet Isaiah says, that they will come about in the last days. And when we look at what the prophet Isaiah says, 
past, I'm talking about a time where the nations, all the nations throughout the world will learn there will be no more wars, that there will be peace. In other words, the prophet Isaiah tells us in chapter 2, I believe it is, in, in the book of Isaiah, that they will beat their weapons into utensils of gardening. What does this mean? This means the production of fruit. You see, the millennial kingdom, the millennial time will be a kingdom of a great production of fruit. Now, what does this mean? It will be a kingdom of holiness. We forget this, right? And when Isaiah in chapter 2, he's speaking about the last days, he says, in introducing all these good things, the nations will not learn about war any longer. All men will know me. How does it begin? The prophet Isaiah tells us, and the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, right? So what I want you to see here is this. Whenever we talk about the kingdom of God, Having a correct understanding of it, it is about the law. And what do we learn about the law? The law reveals righteousness, you can say. It is not a means of the law that one is made righteous. Understand that. It is the law that reveals what righteousness is. And it creates within us a need for forgiveness. Because when we look about righteousness of the law, how far away we are from it so the law creates a need in our lives for salvation for the work of jesus for what he did at the cross right and what is the outcome of the work of what jesus did at the cross is holiness and how can we define holiness the will of god you can say so the people of this time really didn't understand what jesus was all about they didn't understand the need for a sacrifice of his life in order to bring about the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God, right? in order to bring about a change in them. Because to be kingdom-minded, you have to change within, your, within yourself because you are flesh. You are part of this earth. And who is the devil? I mean, who is the God of this earth? Jesus said this, the devil. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Inadequate faith. And the question that I have for you is this. Do you have inadequate faith? Right? You see, when our faith isn't rooted, when it's not rooted in the Bible itself, but rather it's rooted on religion or what we want or what, what what's gonna happen, right? Just like just like the Jews, just like in Judaism, right? The scripture tells us that Jesus will not entrust himself to us, just like he did these people, just like he did his own people, the Jews. See, it's only when we are committed to the things of God, right? As the word of God reveals, then we can count on God's full commitment to us and his holiness and his righteousness that would be manifested through us. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. Hopefully you got something out of the lesson. We appreciate all you tuning in, listening. Go be a blessing for someone this week. Sanctify yourself in holiness this week. Get to know God through his son Jesus more. Spend some time in prayer this week. More time than what you normally do. But not only pray, open up the Bible and learn the word of God. Seek the truth. 
And as you learn the word of God and as you become more intimate with Jesus, right? That small voice that you hear every day, every morning and you pray, every night before you go to bed, right? That small voice, right, will lead you to victory. That victory is doing what? It's going to be a repenting of sins. It's going to be submitting your will and your purposes and your plan to God and what God has for you. And when you do this, then and only then will you see God's victory in your life. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Until next week, y'all have a blessed and wonderful week.